This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We have been uh, on the subject dealing with authority in God's local, in the, in the church. Well, yeah, authority in the church. Um, and we have been dealing with the value, valuing the authority in the church, uh, understanding the authority, God's authority in the church. And so we're continuing with that. We have been, uh, last week we started on, uh, I'm going to say kind of a turn because the other ministers before were kind of just, they were laying out authority, helping you to understand authority, helping you to understand the value of authority. And now we're talking about the dangers, the dangers of coming from under authority. So it's a little bit of a twist right now, but uh, it's all, it all goes hand in hand because you have to understand in order to, to uh, in order to see the value of not coming from under authority, you first have to see the value of authority and what it is and understand that. So this is where we are now. So the title that we have uh, chosen is The Dangers of Coming from Under Authority with Familiarity. Due to circumstances and situations, and we're going to follow up with manipulation of authority. All of those, the dangers of coming from under authority under all of those, familiarity, under circumstances, and how and the dangers of coming from under authority when you are manipulating. And manipulation of authority is also coming from under authority. So we're going to deal with all of those. The objectives of these teachings is to expose the thought pattern. We want to expose the thought pattern of those who come from under authority. So with our examples, we're going to see how they think, that thought pattern. We want to recognize signs and actions of those who come from under authority. And our third objective is that we're going to observe the results or the dangers of coming from under authority. Remember last week we talked about the guiding principle for this teaching on authority. That guiding principle is protection. God gives authority or has given authority in order, uh, and, and he's ordering that, he's given that, as a means to protect our lives. Authority is God's design, his establishment, his ordained method to protect our lives. Then we turn to Psalms 62, and we're going to go there because this is the found, our foundational scripture. is found in Psalms uh, chapter 62. And... Um, am I going to read? I think yes. I'm going to read quickly. I'm going to read all of this because this is I'm used. I was was using. We're using this entire scripture, the whole chapter of of 62, to help us go through and understand uh, elements of being under of of the danger of coming from under authority. So we're going to start with uh, verse one. Psalm 62 and 1, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing, bowing wall shall ye be. And as a tottering fence, the only consult to cast him down from his excellency, they delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, say la. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. 
Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. So we saw here that uh, David, who is the writer of this psalm, he's talking about, he first starts off by talking about his dependence, his trust in God as his salvation, as his defense, as his rock. And then he asks the question for those who were after him. He says, he, he says in verse 3, how long will you imagine, how long will you think of and you uh, will go against and you will think of ways uh, to, to be mischief against the man. He was talking about himself. He says, ye shall be slain, all of you. He says, you will not have has a bowing wall. We talked about that wall. A wall is supposed to be sturdy. It's supposed to be, but when you bow and you bend, that's because you've come up against the authority of God. And we see here all of this. He's talking, God, God is, is, is concerned. He is, his authority and the authority that he places, it is very important to him. It's important to him. And we, we, we've seen, we, we saw that last week. We're going to see that again this week. And then he goes on to, again, he goes back to God is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Then he talks about, uh, he turns to, to the people. He says, at verse 8, trust in him at all times. Remember, lean not to your own understanding. That's what we talked about last week. Lean not to your own understanding. God is a refuge. So when you lean not to your own understanding and you are after God, he will be your refuge. He will be your protection. He will be your defense. And then it goes on in verse 10. We talked about trust not in oppression. That's when we talked about the situations that come up in your life, uh, um, different things, you, promotions and, and, and all accolades and all of these things. When all of these things come up in your life, trust not and don't set your heart upon those things. Why? Because power belongs to God. And even in the midst of all of those things that you go through, even when you give up things, you, give, you might give, have to give up a promotion or you might have to give up a raise or whatever just because of the position that will, it will put you in with God. When you decide that you're going to do things God's way, he says, listen, he says, listen, God has spoken once. But twice, he said, certainly I believe this. I trust this. I trust this, that power belongs to God. Remember, he talked about him bringing, God being his defense and his salvation. That doesn't change because of circumstances and situations. That doesn't change. He says, power belongs to God. God said it once, but twice I've heard it. He says that I have determined in my mind, I have a resolve, that power belongs to God. No matter what, power belongs to God. And so this has been our scripture and our foundation, uh, foundational text. So here we see here that, that, that God not only, not only is he concerned about his authority, but he's concerned about the people, the delegated authority that he gives. That's also his authority. Why? Because he has the what? The exousia, the right and the privilege to act, and he has the dunamis. He has the right, the might to act. He has the right and the might. That means that in no matter what, and we saw that, I'm not going to jump ahead of myself, but, but we saw that a, a, a little bit with, with Moses. With Moses and his brother and sister who came up against the Miriam. And we saw that. And so he, we saw that God... He came quickly and he came swiftly when they came up against the authority of Moses. Why? He says, I placed Moses there. You don't have the right to decide and to come up against the authority that I, the one with the exousia and the dunamis, I created the heavens and I created you. And you're going to try to tell me 
and you're going to determine what your position is and who and should who should and should not be in position? He says, No. Once God spoke it, power belongs to God. But twice I've heard it. Twice I've heard it. And so that's 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 gonna be important for us to understand that we cannot go against the authority of God. We need to be submissive to God and we should not come up against the authority of the the delegated authority that he has established. And we're talking about in our local church in particular. Now you need to stay under authority in every place. We don't know if you remember those teachings about authority, but you need to find authority. You need to find authority wherever. If it's in your workplace, who's in charge? If it's in your neighborhood, who's in charge? If it's a family gathering, who's in charge? If it's a family reunion, who's in charge? Because you know, we we can get into some mess, especially with some family reunions. Everybody wants to be the boss. We made plans. But no, somebody's going to decide, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to do it my own way. You're from under authority. And then we wonder why there's confusion. And then we wonder why it, no, we, we, uh, the reunion ends up ending early because people mad and they're going home. We can't even do a, a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Because people mad. Why? Because they came from under authority. If we would just stay with the plan, find out who's in charge, and we're going to follow that, we'd have a good old time. We'd have a good time. And even we'll have to worry about the family reunion ending early. And people being mad and not speaking to one another for years. Because of those things. I don't know why I said that. God knows, but God knows who's in the house. Amen? And he knows, I don't know, it may be coming up. And you might have the opportunity to get from under authority in in that planning and in that execution of that. So you know you need to stay who's in charge. You just tell me who's in charge. And I'll get my direction from them. So we talked about that. Let's move on. We talked about Miriam. Okay, we're going to start with our new information because I, I got a lot to cover. The dangers. Oh, well, let me say this. Rebellion can be in two forms. Rebellion can be you revolting against a covenant stipulation. So something that God has commanded, a law, a command that God has commanded, revolting against that, that's one way. And The other way is being contentious, argumentative. So you can revolt against a command of God, a stipulation of God, a a command, or you can be argumentative, which is what Miriam and Aaron were doing. They were being argumentative. Okay, so those are two ways, two ways, two forms of, of rebellion. So let's talk about some dangers. Let's look at some dangers of rebellion. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. And let's look at verse 26 and 27. And I know I'm dropping you into this. um, But let's see here. Verse 26. Nevertheless, They were disobedient and rebelled against thee, and cast thy law behind their backs, and slew thy prophets, which testified against them to turn them to thee. And they wrought great provocations. Therefore thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies, who vexed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried out unto thee, thou hearest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them 
saviors. So this is talking about the Israelites. Talking about the Israelites. And how in, in Judges, we can see in Judges, how they were back and forth. So they would obey, and then they would disobey. They would disobey, then the hand of God was upon them, their enemies were after them and all of that. And then they cried unto the Lord, and he would what? He would send a Savior to to save them. And they were back and forth. And in the wilderness, in the wilderness, they were complaining. After After seeing how God brought them out of Egypt and how he cared for them, how he parted the Red Sea, uh, with Moses, how he did all of that. They saw all of that, but in the wilderness they were complaining about manna, complaining about what we're going to eat, complaining about what we're going to drink. After seeing all that God had done, does he, do you, they, did they think that God had brought them out of Egypt to bring them to a place and have them to die there of starvation and, and no food and no water? They complained against God. They complained against Moses. They just had complaints. And so we see here in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, those that rebel, they are delivered. We're talking about the dangers, the dangers of rebellion. Those who rebel are delivered into the hands of their enemies. We saw that right there. They're delivered into the hands of their enemies. The Israelites provoked judge. They provoked judgment and forfeited God's protection many times. Many times. Remember what we talked about incurred. Incurred. Let me remind you of that. I kind of skipped over that during my review. Incurred judgment. That means you subject yourself to penalty. Incurred, You incur it. You subject yourself to penalty as a result of your own behavior or actions. That's incurred judgment. You expose yourself. You subject yourself. You expose yourself. You provoke judgment upon yourself because of your own actions. Incurred. You incur that. That means you forfeit. You forego. You give up the advantage of protection. That's your doing. You give up that protection. You give up the advantage of God imparting wisdom and understanding to you. You give up. You forfeit your needs being met and you forfeit peace. All of that incurred judgment. If you find yourself in troubles that you can't seem to get out of, or, or trouble always seems to find you. I don't know if you've known people where it's just like trouble is just always, always, always. They never have peace because trouble is always on their heels. And no matter where they go, trouble finds them. I've known people like that. I don't know about you. But when you find yourself in those situations, if you know people in those situations, it is because, more than likely, it is because they are out, they are not under submission in some area of their life. They're not under submission in some area of their lives. Turn to Psalm 68. Let's look at Psalms. 68. So, one, the dangers of rebellion. One, when you rebel, you're delivered into the hands of your enemies. Verse, uh, Psalm 68, verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families. Let's, let's start with verse 5. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So here, 
Verse 5, it talks about him being a father to the fatherless and a judge of the, of the widows. So when, and we see in, in verse 6, it says that God set up the solitary in family. So what he's, what he's talking about here is that God is a father like no other. He provides comfort. He provides protection. He provides counsel. He provides preservation. So you don't have to be, we had a, we had a, a, a teaching some while ago about self-preservation. You don't have to preserve yourself because God is your preserver when you decide that you're going to stay under his authority and you're going to follow him. He is a preserver of those who follow him. He has an ear to hear the cries of people. The father, he hears the cries of the fatherless. He hears the cries and he sees the loss of the widows. He sees and he knows. And he sees all the brokenness. He sees the loss. He sees all of those things. And he is able to keep you. He sees the oppressed. He sees the depressed. He sees all of that. And he has the power to restore. In all of those situations, God has the power to restore. Listen, no chain can detain those whom God will make free. <laughs> no chains can detain whom God will make free. It says he will make free. Oh, you don't get that. He will make free. And when God sets his heart and desire, he does set his heart and desire to make you free. Whom God sets free is free indeed. So he hears your cries. He already knows that. See, this goes with coming from under authority, under situations and circumstances. He knows your circumstance. He knows your situation. He sees the fatherless. He sees the widows. He knows them. And he wants to care for them. He says in this solitary, I love this because he's saying here, God set it the solitary in families. That means when we, when think, when we suffer losses, when we suffer losses, we suffer losses of parents. We suffer losses of spouses. You know, those folks that, that we tend to, to call on. Those folks that we tend to rely on. Those folks that we tend to, you know, because we have that type of relationship with them. And they become our, sol- our solitaire. They become, they become part of our rock, right? Our support. They become our comfort. They become all of those things. But when we lose those things, God says that I will give you another. That's how much he cares. I will give you another because I care for you. I don't want to see you lost. I don't want to see you depressed. I don't want to see, I don't want to see any of it. He says, listen, just remember and trust that first and foremost, I am your comfort. And in me, I will supply. That's why the scripture says that he is all that we need. Why is he all that we need? Because he's going to supply what we need. He is our supplier. While you're looking to supply for yourself, he is your supplier. While you're putting all of your trust in men and all of your dependence in men, that's why this, listen, listen. That's why you cannot place people over God because then they become your idol. And then when we place people before God, they take that space and that place in our hearts that only belong to God. That's why when things happen, the relationship goes awry, things happen. That's why we can't go on with God. Why? Because we made something else and someone else and put them in their place and made them our God. That doesn't mean you don't love your loved ones. It doesn't mean that. But when it boils down to when the rubber meets the road, people, we know death is inevitable. We all will die one day. And not only that, but again, like I said, things just happen in life. 
But when you, and you placed all of your eggs, you put all of your eggs in their bag, you put all of your trust, you put all, it's like, again, they have become your God. You've just been solely dependent on them, just solely, just solely. But what happened to your trust in God? Your Savior. <laughs> oh, that person that you married, they didn't save you. They didn't save you. I don't care if you got saved after you were married. They still didn't save you. Only God. We cannot put anything or anyone in the place, in the space that only belongs to God. You can be sitting right. So, so, so that, that point, number two, that point was God so we're talking about the rebellion. Number one, those who rebel, they are delivered into the hands of the enemy. And number two, when you rebel, you forfeit your right. You forfeit your right to God's protection for you, his provision for you, his comfort and his peace for you. You can be sitting right in this building, service after service, under the fatness of this word. The best plan. So look, in, in, in Psalm 68, verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You can be sitting in this building, service after service, under the fatness of this word. That's the best land. That's the best land. And be, and it be dry to you. It be dry to you. You don't receive understanding. And you could be hearing the word and it's hard for you to grasp what is being said. You don't get the revelation that is going forth that God is trying to give. You don't have peace. You don't have comfort. You don't have direction. You don't have guidance. When things and situations and you need to make decisions in your life and things just seem foggy, you can't seem to find, you can't seem to find the right direction and things are just foggy. You're just not, you're just not sure. You're confused. You just have no Understanding about where you should go and, 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 and which direction you should go in. You have forfeited your provision, your blessing from God when you don't submit to his authority. Because God is trying to give you whatever it is that you need. But what did I say? I said when you rebel, you forfeit that right. That's incurred judgment. You forfeit the right for him to impart knowledge and wisdom. You forfeit the right for him to impart understanding. We forfeit that right. That's number two. Number three, turn to First Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Again, this is Samuel warning to Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. If you will fear the Lord. Let me set this up for you before I start reading this. Israel, the Israelites, they decided that they want to wanted to be like the other nations and they wanted a king. They saw uh, this particular king put in place in this particular city and so in this nation and then they wanted a king of their own. And that was not God's choice. That was not God's doing. But that's what they wanted. So they got this king. So in verse 14, If ye will fear the Lord and serve him, And obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. 
Then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. He says, look, I don't want you to think that just because you have a king, that they, he is going to be able to protect you. Okay? He's there for a reason. But don't get it twisted. I and I alone. He says, he says, if you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you, you will continue. He says, look, I'm over you and I have the authority over you and the king. Verse 15, but if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers. So if you rebel against the Lord's commands, the hand of the Lord will be against you. What is the hand of the Lord? The hand of the Lord is his power. The hand of the Lord is his support. It's his strength. And he does not extend his power and exercise his power and his support and his strength for people. He doesn't extend that for people who are not under his authority. He does not. So the hand, number three, the hand of the Lord will be against you if you come from under his authority. If the hand is removed, so are the provisions. If the hand of God is removed, so are the provisions. When you are with God, he is certainly with you. When you are with God, he is certainly with you. He's not supposed to be with you. You didn't catch that. He's not going to be where you want to be. When you are with him, certainly he is with you. God gives grace to preserve those who follow him. He gives you more grace to continue to follow him. If you find yourself, if you find it hard to follow after God's ways and follow after his, his command, you, you find, it's because you are under, from under his authority. But if you would line yourself up, align yourself, with his authority, he will give you grace and he will preserve you to continue. That's why it says in verse 14, he says, If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. He says, when you obey, you will continue because I, why? Because I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you what you need to continue to follow me. If you obey, you'll get grace to continue to obey. Oh, see, now that was a place to shout right there. If I obey... God is going to give me more grace to obey. Grace after grace. He's going to give me more grace when I decide that I'm going to obey him. And that's why we tell you, when God tells you to do something, you have to move. You have to obey. And as you begin to do that, as you obey and you begin to walk and do what God has asked you to do, he will give you grace to get it done. I remember, again, I remember when, when, when I first started, uh, started tithing long years, 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 years ago. And I found it difficult. I found it difficult because in my mind, I didn't have it. In my mind. I didn't have it. But when I made up in my mind that I was going to follow and do what God was asking of me, I found the grace to get it done. 
Because God then started showing me, okay, now this is what you need. Understanding. Remember I said those provisions. The understanding of what I needed to do in order to be able to align myself to do His will. He gave me grace to do His will. That grace was something that I couldn't. What what is grace? Grace is something that God gives that you can't do. Things that he does, his power, his ability to do for you in in the believer what you can't do for yourself. I didn't understand. I didn't have an understanding. I couldn't get an understanding about how I was supposed to uh, structure my finances to do what God wanted me to do. His commandment. But when I made up my mind, even looking, remember I said I was looking at it, and for, to me I didn't see it. But when I made up in my mind that I was just going to do it, and so how did I do that? I, without, without looking at bills, one, I just decided, without looking at bills, without looking, I'm just going to do my 10%. <laughs> I'm not going to look at it because I don't understand it right now. But I made up in my mind, I'm just going to do God's will. I got that money order because I couldn't trust myself to just do the cash. Got a money order. I paid that. And then I was okay, God, now, now what? Now what? And then he started showing me. <laughs> grace, that's his grace. No, you don't understand, but if you would just trust in me and obey, I'll give you the grace. I'll give you the grace. And that's the way the Lord works. That's how he works. Isaiah chapter 63, point number four. Point number four, Isaiah chapter 63. Let's look at verse 10. Again, these Israelites, all these scriptures that we've gone through so far, talking about these Israelites. They were a hot mess, like we are. Chapter 63, verse 10. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy. And he thought against them. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy. And he fought against them. So earlier I said that the hand of the Lord will be against you, meaning he will turn his hand. You will cause his hand to turn against you. But here we see in verse 10 that he thought he turned to be their enemy (laughs) and he fought against them I know we talk about you know God is a loving God and he is a loving God and he's a forgiving God when we turn to him but when we rebel there are consequences for our rebellion and so here in Isaiah 63, we see that we grieve the Holy Spirit. We agitate the Holy Spirit. We annoy the Spirit of God that was given to help us. We are filled. Here in Isaiah, the Spirit of the living God has to come upon them, had to dwell among them. But we have the Spirit of the living God in us all the time, 24-7. And when we decide that we're going to obey, not obey, that we're not going to uh, uh, submit to that authority that's on the inside. Yes, that consciousness that you say, that's that consciousness, and God is trying to tell you and trying to warn you of things, that's God's authority on the inside. His Holy Spirit. And so when we decide that we're going to go against... Uh, go against that, then we are grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is offended and is saddened when we fail to acknowledge and accept 
that he is the way by which God has chosen to work in us, through us, and around us, and for us. We grieve, we sadden the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We offend the Holy Spirit when we don't acknowledge the Lordship. When we don't acknowledge the uh, um, the authority that he has. And that's, that's, that's a saddened place to be because the authority has De- the, the authority and the delegated authority in the house, it functions by the Holy Spirit. So not only do you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, that authority of God living on the, spirit, uh, living on the inside of you by the Spirit of God, but then he also places the Spirit in the delegated authority to try to get to you what you need. That's your minister, your pastor, all of that trying to get. And so then when you not obey, when you don't submit to that authority, again, you're grieving the Holy Spirit that was given to help you. The Holy Spirit is someone else that God gives, given to help you, and you grieve their, the Spirit that lives on the inside of them. You grieve the Holy Ghost when you decide that you're going to rebel. They had hearts. Listen. Our foolish ungratefulness for the Spirit of the living God indwelling in us your unbelief, because that leads to unbelief, and it leads to murmuring, it leads to complaining against what God has provided for you, and that vexes the Holy Spirit. So in spite of all that God had done for Israel, in spite, through all the scriptures, in spite of all that God had done, Israel rebelled against God, and they were stubborn. Let's 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 look at look at look at verse eleven. Same same chapter, sixty-three. Let's look at verse eleven. And it says, Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of the flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him. Look at verse 14. As a beast goeth down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. So didst, so didst thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. So here we see how the spirit of the living God, it leads, it directs, it helps, it aids us. So in spite of all of that, they were stubborn. Again, we're talking about the Israelites. They were stubborn and they did not set. That means they did not fix their hearts to know God. That's why they kept going back and forth because they did not set. They didn't fix their hearts to know God. And we've had this teaching and some, and some other teachings about fixing, how we set, how we fix our hearts. That's an intentional thing. You have to, when something is fixed, you can't move it. When something is fixed, it's set, it's done. When you set cement, when it's set, it doesn't move. No matter what, it doesn't move. We have to set, just like semen, we have to set our hearts to know God. That means no matter what, I am go, I'm going to know him, know his ways. And to know him, to be intimate with him and to know him, the only way to do that is through his word. That's the only way. And because I am setting myself to know him and I'm in his word, then I need to obey. It says that what? If you love me, I've set my heart and I fix my heart not only to know because when you know somebody, when you're intimate with someone, that's, that's some love. That's, so you sh- you're sharing some love. So when I set myself to love God, when I set myself to know him, then I'm going to keep his commandment. I'm, I'm set, all of that is said. You can't set yourself to love him, but not set yourself to obey his word. 
You can't set yourself to know him and not set yourself to obey his word. Their hearts. So they were stubborn and did not set. They didn't fix their hearts. They didn't prepare their hearts to know God. So you can set it and you can fix it. But then you have to prepare your heart. Preparing your heart. That means you have to count the cost. I'm preparing. I'm counting the cost. No matter what, I am going to follow God. No matter what, my heart is towards God. No matter what. They have to, you have to make a resolve in your heart. Prepare it. You have to make a resolve in your heart. What are we doing? We are setting ourselves, we are preparing ourselves to know God. That means we have to make a resolve in our hearts that no matter what, I'm not going to allow anything to come between that relationship and that fellowship that I have with God. And you know, we've already seen, we break, not only do we break fellowship, I mean, much more comes with that, but when we break fellowship with God, And that's a quick way to break fellowship with God when you are not submitted to Him. That's a quick way. So when we have not set, when we not have not set our hearts and we have not prepared our hearts, that is when we fall into being unsubmissive, being disobedient. So they weren't steadfast and they weren't faithful. They weren't steadfast and they weren't faithful. From almost the beginning of their time in the wilderness, from almost the beginning of their time in the wilderness, Israel rebelled against God and grieved his spirit. Their hearts, they had hearts that drew back. Now, we're talking about the Israelites, but I want you to think about yourself in this. They had hearts that drew back from God and they set their wills to rebel against him. See, that's setting your heart. When you set your heart and when you prepare, remember what I said, you are counting the cost. You are saying that no matter what, but when you, because you know, whenever you decide, when you set your will to do something, that's what you will do it. That's why you have to set your will and your desire to follow him. Because when you do, you set, you fix, you prepare. When you do that, you will follow through. But it's when you have a divided heart, when you've decided that you want to do your own thing, when your will is greater than the will of God, when your will is greater than the will of God, you have not set, you have not fixed your heart to know him. You have not prepared to know him. And that last point, number five. Rebellion can shorten your life and your ministry. Rebellion can shorten your life and ministry. Who do you think among them in the wilderness? In the wilderness, who do you think among them died without fulfilling their assignments and their purpose? You remember in the wilderness, he had God waited. Forty years. They had to die off in the wilderness before they moved on. Who in the wilderness died without fulfilling their assignment? We're going to leave it at that. Familiar, familiarity with authority. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Now that we've seen the dangers, let's look at Mark chapter 6. This is going to be good. I loved this. So familiarity, it can be an intimate attachment or an intimate association. Familiarity can be a closeness with someone or something. It can be as simple as being acquainted with someone through a mutual association. Familiarity. I'm going to give you these points and we're going to chase it down. Results of becoming too familiar. 
what happens when you become too familiar. Your attachment, your closeness with someone. It breeds contempt. And we're, again, we're talking about as it relates to authority, God's authority and authority in the church. It breeds contempt. And contempt is hatred, disrespect, and disregard. A, that's A. B, results of becoming too familiar. B, you block your blessing. If God is not able to get to you what he desires for you, you will not be able to receive the warning, the instruction, the guidance needed for your peace, your joy, your strengthening. So you block your blessing. A, it breeds contempt, familiarity. B, it blocks your blessing. C, you lose capacity for growth. So if God can't get to you, your instruction, the guidance, if he can't get those things to you, the comfort that you need to get through, we've been talking about pushing forward uh, in, in, in the midst of, of things, a pastor's been talking about that on Sundays, to push forward and to do all of those things, you lose capacity to grow when you block those things, and those things are blocked when you become too familiar with the messenger or with God and we're going to see that you will not be able to receive what is intended to pull you out remember the scripture says that that he he breaks the chains and when God sets you free nothing can bind you but if he can't get to you what you need to pull you out from that bondage you stay bound. So there's no room, no capacity for growth. You won't be able to receive the instruction in righteousness. You won't be able to receive what you need that will be able to position you spiritually for your increase or your promotion in spiritual things. Blocking your blessing. Losing capacity growth. You stay stagnant. You stay stagnant in what you've learned. No growth. You can't push past it. So you wonder why you're still in the same situation. You wonder why and right now I'm talking spiritually. You're still in the same position. You're still in the same mindset. You're still in the same, just, just overall, no spiritual growth because you have blocked that capacity for growth because you've become too familiar. You've become too familiar. There are two types of familiarity in the church. You become too familiar with God himself and the things of God. And then you can become too familiar, too, too familiar with the messenger. You can become too familiar with God and the things of God, and you can become too familiar with the messenger or the delegated authority. How do you become familiar with the things of God and God's and, and God Himself? Because you receive teaching Sunday after Sunday. You hear the word week after week. Service after service, you're hearing the word. But there is no sense of urgency to respond. No sense of urgency, uh, urgency to respond. There's no sense of reverence for the word that you hear. There is complacency, so there is no growth. So these are the signs, signs of those that have become too familiar with the things of God or God himself. And the other, the other thing too is that you become so comfortable and familiar that you don't push past, you become comfortable so you don't push past or you don't move past where you are right now with God. What does that mean? That means that you're okay with your relationship the way that it is. And that's not good because we should always strive 
always should always be striving for a stronger relationship, for a closer relationship with God. Always. Because if not, if you're not pushing for that, then you become stagnant and you become comfortable with where you are. And God never intended for you to be comfortable in that regard. Never. He always wants us to push for a closer, and all of us, I don't, care, I don't care what you say, I don't care, I don't care if you, I know you don't, but I don't care if you pray, pray 24-7. And I know we don't. All of us have room to grow with God. All of us do. This Bible, all of us. It's too much here. It's too much. And then we get comfortable with what we already know. But God is saying, listen, you got more. You got more to learn. We all have room for growth. We all do. So in that regard, you become too familiar with him, too familiar with the things of God, instead of trying to push to encourage a stronger relationship. God wants to foster a stronger relationship with him. And then with familiar, familiarity. With our delegated authority. Oh boy. When you've grown familiar with your pastor's role as the wife of the founding pastor. Versus embracing and adapting to her new role as the overseer and the watcher of your soul. You have become too familiar. Those folks who, for whatever reason, still call her Sister Hill instead of Pastor Hill. They've become too familiar. With her role as the founding pastor's wife and they have not embraced her role as the overseer they're just not ready or they don't want to that's rebellion against God's delegated who are you to determine who the next pastor will be who were you to determine who the next pastor should have been when our founding pastor transitioned. Those are folks who have not, they have not. You know, I don't even, I don't even want to hear, I forget, I just forget. You don't forget to call her Pastor Hill. You've chosen not to. After all this time, and you still, I mean, even, even if you were, even if it was difficult in the beginning to remember to call her pastor. I had that, that, that difficulty at, at one point at the very beginning. I would catch myself, though, and correct it. Say, Sister Hill, oh no, Pastor Hill. And because I had to get used to saying it to her. Not that I wasn't used to saying Pastor Hill. I said it to Pastor Hill all the time. But just getting used to saying it to her. But when I found myself saying sister, then I caught myself. But after two years, three years, three years, four years, and you still, no, you just haven't set your heart. Here in Mark chapter 6, you know what, I'm not going to even start this. Because I have less than two minutes. So we're not going to start this. No. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm not going to do that. But I just want you to think about. Think about what I just said. Because as we go into next week. We're going to get. We're going to get deeper into that. We're going to see. How in Mark chapter 6. How they did Jesus. How they did Jesus. His own country. His own family. The people that he lived with in a house. The people that he grew up with. 
the people that he worked with. We're going to see how they became too familiar with him and the results of that. And then I want you to think about those things as it relates to the authority in God's in God's house, particularly when it, when it comes to those who have been placed over you, your pastor, the overseer that's been placed, and even even the ministers, even the ministers. And we're going to see we're going to see that. And, we, and I'm not telling you that you need to put ministers on a pedestal. I'm not telling you any of that because we're all we are all the same as far as God is concerned. We are all the same. But there should be a level of respect. There should be a level of honor when it comes to those positions that God... It's not about the people. See, and this when we get caught up with the people. It's not about the people. It's about the position that God has placed them in. That's what it's about. And that's how we become too familiar because we're, we're caught up with the person and not with the position. And that's our downfall. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.